welcome back. Why don't you have a listen? Come on in, let's have a chat in Cafe Shay's kitchen. Hi, welcome to my kitchen. I am Cafe Shay. And on this podcast, I chat with experts, amateurs, and my audience about all things sustainability. I believe that caring for the planet, your community, and yourself should be inclusive. So join me on the first day of every month to discuss barriers to sustainable living and a plan to break them down. So this episode is a quick introduction to me, why I've created this space, um, and what I plan for this podcast in the future, stuff like that, just a general starter. Um, And as this is my first episode, I will be alone, but do not fear. I have some very exciting conversations and guests planned in the future, and I hope you'll stick around for it. So before I begin going into a little introduction into myself and what I plan for this podcast, I just wanted to speak a little bit about my style of environmental activism, and most importantly, why I believe that inclusive, intersectional, accessible spaces are not only wanted in the climate movement, but a necessity. So essentially the climate crisis affects all of us. That's no surprise to anyone. Um, But it is important to remember that some people are affected more than others and we are all affected in different ways. On both a national and an international scale, there are disparities in the way people are affected by the climate crisis. So for example, nationally, it may have to do with where the majority of, um, say, poorer people of colour are living, um, or compared to maybe richer, traditionally Caucasian people living, and they may have access to different things, or they may be exposed to different pollutants depending on where they live. Similarly, at an international scale, um, obviously there are more um, privileges in the West and generally a better standard of living and less exposure to toxic pollutants, chemicals, um, and less exposure to natural disasters like earthquakes and flooding and stuff like that. In countries like Great Britain, where I live, or um, some parts of the United States, whereas other areas of the world, like Haiti, be more naturally exposed to these uh, weather conditions, which is just worsening during the climate crisis. So it is important to acknowledge that even though we are all impacted and we all do have something to say in this movement, that some people are more affected than others. Um, And I'm sure I don't need to go out and list all different social justice issues and minority groups in existence, but people of lower class and global ethnic majority are usually more impacted by symptoms of the climate crisis. Um, So for me, as someone who is a black person, um, I do have the privilege of living in Great Britain, but I wouldn't say I'm middle class. I know that I have certain experiences that that my peers wouldn't experience but at the same time I know that I'm more privileged than other people in different countries and it's just about acknowledging your position within it Um, and I, I truly believe that in order to create an effective response to the climate crisis we need to include multiple voices and perspectives Um, Because if you think about it, there is no way you can formulate an answer if you don't know what all the problems are. And you don't really know all the problems unless you've experienced it yourself and you know 
firsthand, oh yeah, this is a problem for me. Otherwise, someone who hasn't experienced it and maybe hasn't taken the time to consider what these problems may be could just gloss over this issue. Um, an example could be the way like, um, so Ella Kissy Deborah in London was, um, I believe she was 11. No, maybe she wasn't 11. She was like between eight and 11. Um, and she had really severe asthma. She lived in London and she died due to air pollution. Um, and this is an issue which her family was aware of um, and people in her community were aware of because they are more exposed to that air pollution. But someone who lives in an area with cleaner air, they wouldn't really think to say, oh, air pollution could be an issue for like people suffering with asthma. Um, they wouldn't think, oh yeah, people suffering with asthma are more likely to be like a brown. I actually don't know that. So apparently, Asthma severity is higher in people of ethnic, ethnic minority. I, I do not like that word at all. People who are black or Latino, this this um, thing is saying, are more likely to have severe asthma. Anyway, <laughs> got off topic a little bit. Um, what was I saying? Oh yeah. So in order to create an effective response to say. London's response to the climate crisis. Someone who is in that community and knows, oh yeah, um, I know family members who are severely impacted by asthma. They are able to come into this room and say, you know, this is an issue. I think we should make it a priority. Whereas people who aren't affected by it wouldn't necessarily think to make it a priority. They may think about it, but they may not make it a priority. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um, I'm also, I want to emphasize that I'm also someone who believes that um, rebuilding a climate-friendly planet and an environmentally friendly society is a perfect opportunity to push for social liberation too because in my eyes um, the social justice issues are intrinsically connected to environmental justice issues so this will be a whole different episode topic but if we consider about the if we consider the origins of the climate crisis and social justice issues they both come from a position a mindset of extraction however many years ago um, an extraction of natural resources an extraction of human talent or human labor um, and usually unfairly taken um, and i think that if we are resetting the way that we live and we are reimagining the way that society is made up in order to build a more environmentally friendly society, there is the perfect opportunity to rebuild in a socially friendly place as well. So we can we can really see that these things are hand in hand and solve solve two problems at the same time, like uh, feeding two birds with one scone. Okay, so you're probably wondering. Who is this person? Who is Kafeshi? What are they all about? What are they doing with a podcast? Why are they just speaking into my ears randomly? And why are they here? So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a little bit about me, how I got into sustainable living, um, climate activism, stuff like that. There is a mosquito flying around my laptop. Oh my gosh! Hello, can you please go away? <laughs> um, so a little bit about me. Um, I'm Kafeshi. I use they or she pronouns. It's probably something to mention. Um, my family are from Trinidad and Tobago in the Caribbean. 
um, but I've been brought up in the UK. Um, so I remember coming to the realization when I was about 12 or 13 um, that both of the places I consider home are islands. Um, and then I sort of thought, you know, with the climate crisis and sea levels rising, that means that I could have no home. Going from a position of seeing, oh yeah, I have two homes and I'm so fortunate to have two homes, I could go from two to none and end up being a climate refugee. And that thought really, really scared me. And I thought, you know what, I, I can't let that happen. I need to do something or I need to at least know that I've tried my best to do something and prevent that and prevent this from happening. So when I was about 12 or 13, um, I had the opportunity to go to my first climate protest. It was very fun. I wasn't really sure what was going on to Buddhist. We like my friends and I went with our, our religious education teacher because it was like we were all part of a charity club at school and we get we got to choose like what different charities we helped out and like what different events we did. Um, so we went to London, we wore this like heart-shaped earth costume and had matching t-shirts. It was for Cafford, by the way, um, the Catholic Agency for Overseas Development. Um, so we went to London, we protested, and then we wanted to speak to our local MP, but I don't think he was there. Um, afterwards, we managed to get him to come into the school and have a conversation with him. And I, I, I can never forget that conversation with him because he was so like kind and gracious, but then didn't listen to us at all. Like he completely dismissed what we said. And I don't know if it's because we were young. So he probably thought, oh, we don't know what we're talking about or like we are less educated than him. So we shouldn't be like trying to advise him or maybe he just didn't care about the climate crisis. But it really frustrated me that he kind of was like, his response was kind of twofold. It was kind of like, yeah, we, we're already doing this and this and this, and that's enough. We don't need to do anything else. And it was kind of like, we're not going to do anything else more because it's not necessary. And I was just infuriated. I was like, how can you say it's not necessary? Like, obviously, we've still got a long way to go. We've still got problems to fix. And yes, we may be in a better position than other counties, other countries even, but we've still got a long way to go so i don't know why you're like sitting back and saying oh yeah we've done everything um but yeah that really frustrated me and after that i was like, okay i'm gonna make it my mission to not only push to get something done about this climate crisis but i'm gonna push to hold governments accountable because they're the ones supposed to be leading us they're the ones supposed to be you know, molding the country or a society into a shape, a way that is conducive and positive for all. And I don't think they're doing that at the moment. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna properly do this. I'm gonna become a climate activist. We're pushing it, I was writing letters. I did quite a lot of door knocking, but it was very, very much on my own. I hadn't joined any climate organizations at that time. Um, it was just me, <laughs> little old me, trying to do my best. Um, and then a little bit later, around March 2018, I think I was like 16 then, um, I decided that on September the 1st, 2018, I would become vegan to reduce my carbon footprint. That was the biggest step for me. It was honestly life-changing. Not only did it mean that my climate activism was just like 
pushed forward. I, I just felt re-energized to, to fight because I knew that like, I'm not a hypocrite. Like I'm holding myself accountable. And like, I don't, I don't um, shame anyone who's not vegan because I understand that not everyone can be vegan at this moment. Um, but for me, it was really empowering to know that I'm, I'm putting my, what is it? Putting my actions where my mouth is. What is that phrase? I don't know. You know what I'm talking about, <laughs> but I'm like doing something as well as just saying what everyone else needs to do. <laughs> so, oh, <laughs> so that was really empowering, and I loved doing that. It changed my spirit, it changed my mindset, and I think that's a defining action that I've done in my life that makes me recognize who I am, and I can say I'm. I wouldn't be like to everyone I meet, I'm vegan, but I think it has definitely shaped how I see myself, if that makes sense. A few years later, anyway, I decided to set transitioning to a zero waste lifestyle as my New Year's resolution. I've been slowly making changes towards that. At the moment, I'd say I'm probably like low waste. That's how I define myself because I don't usually produce a lot of waste. Um, the main issue for me is that like, is not really accessible to be low waste everywhere. So when I'm at university, um, I go to university in Cambridge, it's like really easy to do it because there's like loads of low waste options. There's a farmer's market, there's a few refill stores. Um, and even if there aren't refill stores, there's good like recycling options. And my college is really good about like recycling and like reusing containers and stuff like that. But then when I leave uni and I go to, um, home I go home I go back to the Caribbean with my family there's like less options so it's a bit difficult and I understand that so that's why I'm not like pushing anyone to do everything because it's not possible to do everything straight away okie dokie next I wanted to speak about who and what this space this podcast is designed for um so before I begin this I'm going to be referring to this mostly as a space because while while this is a podcast at the moment, um, I do have an Instagram page as well, which I consider an extenuation, an extension, there we go, <laughs> an extenuation, an extension of this space. And hopefully my goal is to have it as a real life physical space one day. So this space is for everyone, ultimately, whether you've been vegan and zero waste your whole life or you're just starting out, or you're not even thinking about it. This space is for you to maybe open your mindset and reconsider um, the way that you live and the practices, the habits that you have. Um, I truly believe that we always have things to learn from one another and opportunities to grow together. And I hope that this space can provide that. Um, I hope that in future episodes, listeners will feel comfortable to send in their tips or questions and we can you know give each other advice communicate have lovely flowing conversations and help each other out because essentially we want a community community is the future of the climate movement in my opinion if we work together then we can achieve great things so um i really hope that we can help each other learn from one another and all of that um i only have one house rule and that is that we respect each other i am a firm believer everyone is equal no matter your age life experience whatever like i don't judge anyone for their choices and while you are here please take it as an opportunity to learn and keep an open mind and while it may seem that i am 
presenting myself as like the knower of all sustainable things. I know for sure I am not. Um, there are things that I don't know. There are things that I kind of disagree with in the, the sustainability movement and I probably wouldn't participate in. Um, but at the same time, I'm not, I'm not here to be like, I'm not going to consider other options. I'm here to learn as well. I'm here to learn from you guys. I'm here to learn from the guests. I'm here to learn from everyone. So um, I am going to respect other people and respect myself and know that while it's okay to have your own opinions and it's okay to share your own opinions, in fact, I really encourage that, um, I would like to expand my options and my horizons and keep an open mind, basically. Keep an open mind and respect other people. My final goal for this segment um, is my goals for this space, this podcast. I've always been passionate about food and community. Um, I truly believe that the kitchen is not just the heart of the home, but the heart of the community. Um, I personally see food as medicine for our bodies, our minds, and our soul. And I aim to use this space to celebrate that fact. Um, that is why I want to emphasize the kitchen fact. Like this is a space where we can communicate, where we can keep an open mind, have a nice discussion, and also like nourish ourselves. And okay, so a little backstory. Growing up when I was in Trinidad with our granny journey over the holidays, um, I can always, always remember waking up in the morning to the sound of like soft music on the radio and the smell of gorgeous food. Oh my God, it's literally just, I can feel the smell and like, the warmth like even speaking about it um there was loads of food on the table and my granny would be waking up at like four or five in the morning to start preparing breakfast and she was known for always having the most beautiful array of food on the table and that's a way that she showed love towards us um and myself i i like to think that from her I've learned how to show my love in that way. So <laughs> I'm always offering to cook for people. I really love making like breakfast for people because breakfast is my favorite meal of the day. Um, just like my grandmother, I try and wake up early and then prepare breakfast for people. And then it just really fulfills me to see people eating and nourishing themselves. And I also think that sitting around a table um, it's a lovely imagery of us all, you know, being equal. We may have different chairs that we're sitting on. They may be mismatched, but ultimately we are all humbled in the fact that we are all human. We need to nourish ourselves with food and with water. Um, and we need to nourish ourselves with conversation and with community and being around people. Um, and I just think that's really beautiful. Connected to that is like um, a memory of like, celebrations um, and a lot of celebrations not just in my family but around the world I know are related to food which I don't think is a mistake I think that's very very important that like a lot of celebrations are connected to food but for like Christmas and Easter and birthdays and stuff like that my family usually make a buffet of food again celebrating food and that's the main part of the celebration but the key thing here I always thought was that usually each family member or each like household would prepare a dish or two and they'd all bring it together on one table in one meal but each person has prepared a different dish and 
sitting around a large table, seeing everyone smiling and chatting and eating is so powerful to me. And I'm sure that many people would agree. It, it kind of feels to me like each person is like get, taking a little part of their selves, like a little part of their heart and their love, and they give it to the table in which everyone can receive that love and bring them all together on one plate, like, you know, like one one family, one community on our plate, like physically embodied in the food. This is probably a bit too wishy-washy and philosophical right now, but that's always what I think about. I always think it's like a, a physical embodiment of our love and our community on the plate. And I just think that's really beautiful. Um, <laughs> but say all that to say, um, I hope for Cafe Show's Kitchen to be just like that, to be like a community space with table full of food when you wake up and it puts a smile on your face. It is a little bit where everyone can share their love and share their knowledge, share themselves, and then we all bring them together on one plate. It's a space for us to connect with loved ones, have conversations and learn from one another, um, and we can also form new bonds you know um you probably don't know everyone listening to the podcast and maybe someone sending in a voice note saying some advice you can be like oh well, i want to ask them more information about what they've said and then connect with them and then create an even deeper bond with a new person which i just think is really lovely so i'm really hoping that that can happen here um not just in the podcast space but also in the future, I hope to have a physical space where people can do this in that physical space. Um, so, yeah, I, I really, really hope that, that one day I can do that and that my vision for this space is like actually carried out. And I hope that you guys can help me do that. Okay, so before I leave, I just want to say thank you so, so, so much for listening to this episode. I'm so grateful that you've taken the time to join this conversation. I hope that you'll gain as much from it as I hope. Um, and as I have, even filming this first episode, I feel really happy and like fulfilled now that I've shared this message and I can't wait to continue doing so. If you've enjoyed this and you want to keep listening and you want to become a part of Cafe Show's Kitchen and our community, and support my work, you can follow me on Instagram, Cafe Show's Kitchen, subscribe to Cafe Show's Kitchen wherever you're listening to this, and leave me a review on a review rating. I'm not really sure how Apple Podcast works, but something on Apple Podcasts, I think it's a five-star rating, please. If you, if you want to give five stars, go on, go on. Um, and a little review, please. That would, that would be greatly appreciated. But anyways, <laughs> my hope is for this podcast to be listener-driven, a community podcast as I've said many times so please feel free to get in contact with me on Instagram by sending a voice note so you can be part of a future episode or alternatively alternatively if you don't want to send in a voice note type in your questions comments tips whatever for me to read out loud on the podcast and if you find value in this podcast please share with friends family members loved ones so we can keep building this beautiful community with each episode, I will be dropping a new recipe on my Instagram page, Capacious Kitchen, so make sure you check that out and you may see some lovely, nice recipes you want to try. I do have some recipes on there already. Um, I'm gonna, I want to try and make more Caribbean dishes, so 
look out for that if you're in the Caribbean or like you have Caribbean heritage. Um, and yeah, with that, I will see you next time. Bye.